I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians 5. <clears throat> Notice carefully the reading, starting with verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, they that which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Therefore, wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. That's after the flesh. They, Paul is saying we know him in the spirit. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Let's say that together. New creature. Let's say it again. New creature. Old things. Let's say that. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God bless you. you may be seated. I'm really amazed when I read through the Bible, the, the, the contrast that the Bible places on the life of a regenerated man, that is a man who has been born again, and the man who has not been born again. There is such a vast difference, and the word of the Lord is very, very specific in its explanation of the two walks of life. Now there are a couple of things that I feel that that uh, we need to cover. If you have attended any classes in, in the public school you in the last 20 years, you understand that they teach evolution. Now evolution is a theory that uh, a man by the name of Darwin is responsible for, but it teaches us that man evolved from some lower form of life. Now, I have studied evolution very carefully in the past. I'm not that familiar with it at the present time. You have a tendency to forget some things that you learn. And quite frankly, uh, I'm not really interested in retaining a whole lot of knowledge concerning this because I just feel that it is the biggest pack of garbage that the world has ever been introduced to. Now, I really feel that way. And I feel that way based upon what the Bible says concerning man. If you will turn with me to Genesis 1, we'll take a careful look at the creation of man. Genesis, the first chapter, verse 26 and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Now according to the Bible, I can't see how a person could possibly believe evolution and believe the Bible. Because if man was originally created in the image of God, and man started out as a one-cell amoeba, that's saying very little for God. It's saying very little for God. But God, in His wise counsel, according to Job 38, verse 7, 
conversed with the angels who were also created in the image and the likeness of God. And he made man in his own likeness and in his own image. Now when man was created, man was contrary to the popular voice of the evolutionist. He was an intelligent being. God told him that he should have dominion over the fish of the sea. He was smart enough to fish. That's something. Seems like the first commandment that God gave man was that he should go fishing. <laughs> I don't know if that means on Sunday, but <laughs> that was a commandment. He was to have dominion over the fish and over the fowl of the air. I suppose it was all right for him to be a duck hunter if he wanted to be. And over the cattle and over all of the earth. He was to have dominion over the earth. And over everything that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Now if God had dominion over these and man was created in the image of the likeness of God. Then it's only reasonable that man was intelligent enough to have to rule over the earth. In fact, God gave to Adam the commandment that he was to name all the animals. When Adam was made in the image and the likeness of God, he had the ability to communicate with the woman that God had created from his side. He also had the ability to communicate with God. In fact, he talked the Bible says that he talked. He had the ability, or he had the brains, to name all the animals. Now, I really believe that. Somebody asked me, do you believe that? Listen, if I don't believe that, I don't think I can believe the Bible. When Jesus was here, he quoted constantly from the book of Genesis, the book of the beginnings that deals with the creation of man. In fact, of all the books in the Bible, there are only one or two of the books in the Bible that does not make reference to the creation of the planet Earth and everything that we see. I don't see how in the world you can believe the Bible. And I know a lot of that is believe the Bible and say you don't. <laughs> I didn't finish that. <clears throat> Let's back up. I don't know how you can believe the Bible and not believe in creation. And I know people say, oh, but what about the, what about the, the far reaches of the earth where people are uncivilized? You've got to understand that all of these conditions came about as a result of sin that entered into the world. There is no doubt in my mind. In fact, God wants people to be able to read. Now, I think that illiteracy... Is, is came about as a direct result of sin. Now, if it, we have anybody here who cannot read, I am not making fun of you for, for your inability to read. I have pastored people who could not read. But I still believe that God wants everybody to read. And you may say, well, why? Because he put it in writing. Evidently, he wanted us to read. Otherwise, he wouldn't put it in writing. He would have probably just made a cassette tape and sent it down and said, listen to this. <laughs> he, uh, he could have done that you know <laughs> but he didn't do it that way he put it in writing which leads me to believe that he wants me to be able to read 
But, but man was intelligent. There is no doubt in my mind. Man was made in the image and the likeness of God. And I can't understand at all why people believe that the first men walked around or crawled around with long tails. And I know every now and then there's some some faction uh, of science that arises. Somebody said, well, in fact, I saw a picture in a paper. They said... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, somewhere down in South America, way up high in the hills, they found a man that was preserved in, a, in, an, in an ice a gla- uh, ice formation, part of a glacier, and, and uh, the thing dropped off, and here this man was, and they said he had hair all over his body. And they said, look at this. I said, well, that's nothing. You should see my dad. <laughs> I don't think that proves anything. <laughs> <laughs> my dad has a solid patch of hair all over his back looks like some kind of woolly booger I don't know what you know <laughs> but I don't think that proves a thing and I think that that through time and and through evolution, I use the word evolution as proper uh, way. I think that, that there are various characteristics that have developed in the human race because of the particular locality in which man has lived over a period of time. We have people here with dark skin. And we have people here with very light skin. Sister Grant, her, her skin is so light I'm, I'm really amazed that she can stay out in the sun and at least she exposes herself to the sun to, to a certain degree and, and uh, she's so peaked and, and frail and light and shh, don't tell her I'm saying this, you know. But uh, when she gets the least bit sick, she, get, she gets these dark circles under her eyes that look like two burnt holes in a blanket. You know? And she looks so pitiful. She, and she tells me, how come you don't look sick when you're sick? Well, because I've got a little bit of color in my skin, see? But she hasn't. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of people who have real light skin because, you know, I, I married her because I, I like the way she looked, for one. And then I liked her as uh, she was or is. So there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. On the other hand, we have people who have very dark skin. Now look at the difference between Brother Felix and myself. I mean, no, no, this is a fact of life. That there has been some evolution in the human race. But at the same time, we have not evolved in something superior to what we are, nor have we digressed back to something inferior from what we are. We are what we are. And the Bible calls us mankind. You know, I'd really like to see the human race go back to the Bible. And I, I don't know. I, you, you may hear some preaching out of me in the next six months or a year that, that you never dream. But I really wish we could go back to some of the old fundamentals of the Bible. You know, I, I really, I'm going to say this, and I don't care who hears me say this, 
Because the Bible calls us mankind. And in recent years, we've come up with this humankind thing. You know the reason why we come? Because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. It's a police person now. You know, I even noticed when Sister Carolyn typed out our schedule, she put chairperson referring to the women. And I, I, I saw that just after I returned from the conference. And I guess maybe after being in California, I changed my mind about it. And I said, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to instruct her to retype it and put on there chairman. There's nothing wrong with being called a chairman if you're a lady. After all, it's not what you're called, it's what you are. You may say, well, that's to differentiate the sexes and so forth. Well, you know, if Sister Sally Tinker, now nobody's going to think that Sally Tinker is a man. So I don't see a problem there. It's going to be chairman. Now, can I get a big fat amen from everybody? I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, what's wrong with that? And after all, our Pentecostal ladies have always been very feminine. And we promote that. We believe that. We believe that that the, the woman has a very, very important role in the church and a very, very important role in society. So we're not saying that we're trying to shelve all the ladies and say that, oh, you have nothing to do. No, that's not what we're saying at all. What we are saying is that Satan came along and perverted the idea that man was made in the image of the likeness of God, told man a lie, he believed it, and as a result of his believing in the alien forces that were against God, he corrupted his nature. And took on an image that was not the image of God. Now, when man was made, he was made in the image and the likeness of God. Now, according to Romans 5.14, and I'd like for you to turn there with me because this is a Bible study. It's not a preaching session this morning. Romans 5.14. Let's start reading at verse 12. Uh, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. How many people have sinned that have been born of woman? All have sinned. Okay, so we, we were all, we were all sinners. Now, I use the term, we were all sinners, and I think it'd be present I mean, it'd be proper to say, we are all sinners. However, you will notice that the term used, we are all sinners and we were all sinners, definitely needs some clarification. And the Bible places the proper clarification upon this. By virtue of us still having a robe of flesh, we are sinners. By virtue of us having a new birth, That is, the old corrupt man was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ and we were born again. We are not sinners. So you follow what I'm saying there? It almost seems like a contradiction, but nevertheless, that's the way the Bible explains it. Verse 13, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who 
is the figure of him that was to come. Adam was created in the likeness and the image of God, and God designed Adam after Jesus Christ. Him that was to come. Now somebody asked me, was it the will of God that man sinned? You know, even before man sinned, and God made him, the only purpose of Jesus Christ coming into the world, or God coming into the world, by the vehicle of the flesh, was to redeem man. Was it the will of God that man sinned? No, it was not the will of God. Why did he sin? It was in the plan of God, but not in the will of God. Now let me explain the difference. If you are building some high-rise apartment, let's say downtown, let's say with 15 stories, you do not plan on three men falling from the 15th floor to death. That's not in your plan. But because you know that men are susceptible to weaknesses and they are susceptible to trouble, if three men do fall from the 15th floor, you have already made provisions in your schedule to drop everything and take care of any emergency. You wouldn't say, well, if you fall, forget you. We're going on with this building. No, you'll stop everything. The wheels of the operation will stop when an accident occurs. Now, you know that. I read a report of the Hoover Dam. I was not able to see it, but... This is a gigantic dam that dams up the Colorado River. It's one of the largest of its kind in the world. And there was a man, when they were pouring cement, that fell into that. But because they were pouring tons of concrete in there, and it was hot, it was hot because they wanted it to solidify itself quickly, they stopped the whole operation and they gave serious consideration to blasting that dam back out just to retrieve the body for the family. Now they didn't do it at the request of the family because it would have been one of the most expensive operations ever. But it's hard to believe that something of such gigantic magnitude and expense that one individual's life would be stopped or one individual's life being stopped would stop the operation. Now that doesn't mean that I have no regard for human life. Quite the contrary. But did you know that God altered his whole plan because man sinned? He altered his whole plan. The whole plan of the dispensations, you read through the Bible, and the word dispensation simply means a period of time in which God dealt with man a particular way. Do you know why we are where we are today? And why the planet Earth is as it is today? Do you know why we have church buildings? Do you know why we have crosses? Do you know why we have baptismal tanks? Do you know why we have a place to pray? We call this an altar. A lot of people call it a mourner's bench. You know why we have all of that? 
because man sinned. God's original plan and idea for us was to live in the Garden of Eden. Now, where was the Garden of Eden? I'm not for sure. The Bible gives us a physical description of where it was. But it appears to me that as the human race was to grow, that the Garden of Eden was to grow also. Because when he was originally made, he was to have dominion over all of the earth. Now, after Jesus Christ comes back for the church... And after the battle of Armageddon is fought, and I'm sure that I may be speaking over, or I'm sure I'm speaking over some people's heads, but uh, when the last dispensation starts on the planet Earth, which is called the millennium, 1,000 years of peace, it appears that what God is doing, He is going back and picking up the first dispensation of innocence in the Garden of Eden, and He is saying, now we will have it on the planet Earth. Now what we want to do, we want to just for a little while take up some time of yours to explain to you the extreme importance of becoming a new creature. See, when you took on sin, you took on the nature of the transgressor, Satan. Now you may say, you mean to tell me that I... If you stood Jesus Christ out here and you stood a natural man who was not born again, right side by side, you'd be able to tell the difference. I'm not for sure that you could. See, when Jesus Christ came upon the planet Earth, when he visited planet Earth to redeem his people, he was not recognized as being some great Messiah. In fact, the book of Isaiah describes him like this. It said, there is no beauty that we should desire him or behold him. When he, when, in other words, when he walked down the streets, people didn't just stop in awe, saying, Wow, what a handsome guy! They didn't even recognize him. So he was just a common man. You know, just a common man like myself. You know, I was really amazed, you know. Uh, uh, not too long ago, somebody told me, said, Have you read the personals? recently and I said what do you mean the personal in the paper they said you know the personal I said well no I, I, in fact I didn't even know that there was a personal column in the paper and they said well you should read it so I picked it up and I read it and, and, and I was really amazed at how many men and women are looking for uh, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or what have you through the media you know and, and, and I found out I didn't have to read very long to find out that I wasn't really the type of guy that most ladies would be wanting. <laughs> because all of them says, uh, handsome, intelligent, wealthy, tall, dark, slim. I said, well, that rules me out altogether. together. <laughs> <laughs> Please understand what I'm saying. It just seems like everybody's looking for the ideal person. You know, Jesus was not even the ideal person. But you see, the real problem with man was not the problem of his physical flesh. But the real problem was a problem inside of his heart and his mind. 
the inner man. See, the Bible tells us that man is made up of body, soul, and spirit. Now that simply means that you are one-third physical and two-thirds spiritual. A body, one part, a soul. Where is your soul? Have you ever heard a surgeon come back from the operating room and said, we cut this man open, he's got the worst looking soul you've ever seen? No, you don't hear that. They can't find it. Where is it? And then have you ever heard a surgeon come back and said, man, he's got a bad spirit inside of him. When I looked at his spirit, it's all corrupt, it's bad. No, they only deal with the physical. But the, there is an element of mankind that's still, at this point, mysterious. It's mysterious because man doesn't really know where life comes from. What makes this person, Paul, say? Where does he get his being from? What makes him distinctively different from the boards of the table and the carpet of the floor? What makes him get up and walk around? What gives him the power to think and reason? Where does all this come from? There must be some little hidden mechanism inside. It's like a little motor somewhere that's inside that we can't find. Well, the Bible tells us that man is one-third, may not put it this way, but one-third body and two-thirds spirit. And the body is the outer crust or the outer man. The inner man is the spirit and the soul that you can't see. And this is the part that became corrupt. The reason why that Jesus Christ came in the world was to make us new creatures. See, the body responds and acts according to the dictates of the brain or of the inner being. Isn't that true? Well, what caused you to get up this morning and get dressed? I'm sure it wasn't the tired body that was lying on the bed. Because I'll tell you, when the alarm went off this morning, or the phone rang before the alarm went off, something said inside, get up, it's time to get up. But something else says, no. <laughs> so you know what I did? I got up because the phone was ringing. I answered the phone, and that no voice won out for a few minutes. And I went back to bed. There was just, oh, I just... Wow, I was up late, Lord. I mean, my, how much can you take? Oh, Jesus, and I need to pray, and I need to be on fire, and I need to be spiritual. God, oh, you know, I've had problems with my back. I couldn't even get out of the bed Thursday night. And oh, oh, you know, there's something that was a cry. This, the, the flesh was not, it was not well lubricated. It, was, it got rusty overnight, and, and it was like a rusty hinge, and it wouldn't move around, and... And uh, I tried to get down on my knees, and I, I helped my son Roy lay some block last night, my, uh, yesterday, late yesterday afternoon. He's building a new house, and the stone's all on the ground. And, and uh, I'll tell you, I told Roy, I said, this is, this is a killing old man like me. And I just said, uh, <clears throat> my knees were sore, and oh. 
But I'm here. You know why I'm here? Because the inner man won out. It just has to be that way. And you see, the body responds to the dictates of the inner man. You can make yourself do things. Uh, discipline is the name of the game in the human race. If you're not disciplined, you can't hold a good job. You don't go very far in life. The Bible even frowns upon the sluggard. Read the book of Proverbs and you'll find that out. Well, see, God came down in the form of a man to redeem us, to do something to that inner man that was corrupt. John, the third chapter, verse 1 through 8, very well explains the need of the new birth. Man, because he believed the lie that, that, that uh, uh, he heard in the Garden of Eden, and he did not really believe that the consequences of sin was death. And he really did not believe that God was telling him the truth. And he listened to Satan, who is the father of all lies, and took upon himself that corrupt nature is definitely in need of being born again. Being born again. Now, <clears throat> why do we become new creatures? Why does God require it? Let's just take a look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, if you would. I have many more scriptures than what I will be able to cover. I may just have to give you some and let you read some of these on your own. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, I was just really amazed. We made, a, we made a trip. Sister Grant, Steve, and myself, we made a trip to Universal Studios where a lot of the movies are made for the television industry and for the movie industry. I was, it was one of the most amazing trips that I've ever made. Uh, I, was, I was shocked. Of course, most of the movies that they referred to that they'd made uh, I didn't even have any knowledge of. So they're talking about this moving, that moving, here's a house of this, and so forth and so forth. And I, I was really amazed. When the Bible speaks of vanity, that is one of the most vain worlds that you've ever seen. I mean, everything's a fake. What, did you know what? I, I actually went through the sea that, that the children of Israel went through in the film of Moses and of the Ten Commandments. Now, I never saw the film, The Ten Commandments, but uh, two big pieces of metal came up on each side of this train we were on, and there was a vacuum down in there, and it didn't vacuum all the water, but when Moses walked through with those, that's in the movie. With the children of Israel, he walked on dry ground, and the reason why he walked on dry ground, because it was filmed up on a hillside up there, then walking down in the valley and up, and there was no water around, but what they did, they took one part of one film and one part of of another film, and they spliced them together, so you got water on each side, and you got dust in the middle. It's really amazing. And when the Bible speaks of the vanity of the mind of the Gentiles, Gentiles is used here because it is making reference to people who are unregenerated. 
The word vanity is found so many, 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 many times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the word vanity actually comes from the concept that, uh, well, the concept of soap bubbles. You know how you, for your kids, you take and you, you blow these bubbles and they're so beautiful and they sparkle in the sun. You reach out and grab one and when you put your hand against it, it pops. It's not there. And when you see the word vanity in the Bible, most of the time, that's what it means. It means something that's never quite tangible. It always bursts on you. It leaves you empty-hearted. This is the reason why that Solomon said, All the rivers run in the sea, yet the sea is never full. He said, The eye is not filled with seeing, neither is the ear filled with hearing. And isn't it true that you can get hooked on certain things and you just want to see, 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 see. And the more you see, the more you want to see because there's no satisfaction in it. And there's some people that same way about hearing. They hear and they hear and they hear and they hear. Tell me one more joke. Now I know what the vain world is all about because I've lived there. I haven't always been a Christian. I haven't always been a preacher. And you know in the circles of the unregenerate that jokes just evolve around and around and around. And every day, got a new joke. Somebody's got one filthy garbage. And all of this just kind of baits your hook for another day. But the next day, it's the, the line is empty. There's no catch there. And that's what... That's what Paul is saying. Now, verse 18, Having the understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, the blindness of their heart. Heart is not speaking of the muscle that pumps the blood throughout the body. But heart here means the innermost being, the center of life. Verse 19, Who being past who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to all to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye have put off concerning the former conversation or behavior, the old man, put off the old man, which is corrupt according to, to deceitful lust. Now when it speaks of the old man, basically what it means, it means the deeds of the old man. Now, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is created how? In righteousness and true holiness. Who is our righteousness? Jesus Christ. Who is our holiness? Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as we go along in each one of these. And I want you to answer that. You're going to find the answer to be Jesus Christ. Alright. So let's turn to Romans 6.
Knowing this, verse 6 of Romans 6, that our old man is crucified with him. Crucified with who? Jesus. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with who? Christ or Jesus. We believe that we shall also live with him. Who? Jesus. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over who? Jesus. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. He, the pronoun he is used, it's making reference to who? Jesus. Now, if we have life in Jesus, then when the, when the new man is created inside of us through the new birth, it is actually Christ living in us again. See, that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Man was made in the image and the likeness of God. He had the life of God in him. He was the offspring of God. While he is still the offspring of God by virtue of being created by God, having an image, a physical image, in the likeness of him that was to come, he was robbed of the inner image that was made in the likeness and the image of God. And so this part has to be made anew inside of us. Now, let's turn to Galatians. Uh... Let's turn first to Colossians, if you would. <clears throat> Colossians 3. <clears throat> Colossians 3, verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds... How do we put off the old man? By being born again. Now I did not read all of Romans 6, but it would be good for you to read, starting with verse 1. Romans 6. Romans 6 explains the new birth. And then, of course, this parallels with John, the third chapter, when Jesus told a man by the name of Nicodemus, you must be born of water and of spirit. Being born of water is being baptized. Baptism is a burial. You may say, but you said being born of water. It is also a birth. An old man is buried and a new man is born. See? And after we are baptized, we are then ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of Christ inside of us. Okay, let's go back to where we were reading. Colossians 3, verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, 
So we are then made in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ when we have been born again. This is the reason why in the book of Acts they were called Christians. Now let me just do a little bit of old-fashioned, genuine Bible preaching. You can't call people Christians who visit bars every day. You can't call people Christians who crawl in bed with women who are not their own wives. You can't call people Christians who lie all the time and cheat and swear and steal. You can't call them Christians. Why? Because Jesus Christ would not have done that. Oh. Would he have done that? No. And the reason why that you must be born again is because that you can't take the old corrupt man and discipline him to be like God. You just can't do that. You absolutely can not discipline yourself to be like God. There has to be a motivator, a prime mover, a new power, a new individual created inside of you. Now before that can happen, the old man must be crucified with Jesus. This is the reason why that it's important for you in, in your evolution. I use the word evolution again in its proper term. As you evolve or walk toward God to reach that point in which you bend your knee someplace. Now, I'm not literally saying you have to bend your knee. You can actually just submit your heart to God and say, God, I am a sinner. I'm lost. I'm undone. I'm corrupt inside. I heard one man not too long ago saying, don't tell people they're sinners, it'll turn them off. But if you have never repented of your sins, you are a sinner, period. And you are on your road to destruction in a devil's hell. Now that's what the Bible says. And you may say, oh, Pastor Grant, don't offend me like that. Somebody needs to offend you because you need to be shaken like a horse trying on concrete. You need to understand that all of your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. You will never become good enough to save yourself, only corrupt enough to send your soul to hell. You may say, oh, but I can name a lot of good people who were never born again. The Bible says, not by the works of our flesh are we saved. The Bible calls all of that as filthy rags. You say, oh, but I did a good deed for my neighbor. Does that mean I can inherit eternal life? No. But I don't know that I've ever had a problem with lying. Does that mean I can't be saved? Not until you're born again. I mean, you've got to come and, 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 and submit your heart to God. And the reason why I'm kneeling here, because we're going to give you a chance at the conclusion of this message to come and pour your heart out to the Lord. But listen, if you have never come before God, and you've never confessed that you're a sinner lost and undone, as wretched and as miserable as any man who's ever walked on the planet earth, my friend, you have not repented. And that's the crucifying. 
You see, there's, there's a certain pride and a certain vanity in all of us. We all like to think that, hey, we are, we, we're all right as we are. We are not all right as we are. We must confess our sin to the Lord. We must nail the old man to the cross. We cannot be saved without the virtuous character of God. Praise God. And so all men are required to repent. This is the reason why when Jesus Christ came upon the scene, He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now Jesus wasn't too concerned about hurting people's feelings. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm making my stand again. I still say that if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to do the things that Jesus did. Because that's what it's all about. It's Christ living inside of you. Now, Let's turn to Galatians, the fifth chapter. We're going to talk about the deeds of the flesh. Now, here are the deeds of the flesh <clears throat> the unregenerated man. Galatians 5. For I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Now, you've got to be spiritual to walk in the Spirit. Verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. Now, against the Spirit means it strives against the Spirit. There is a warfare that takes place. And the Spirit against the flesh, and these are In other words, they're not compatible. How can two walk together if they be agreed? So that you cannot do the things that you would. In other words, you can't always just go out and do what you feel like doing. Verse 18, But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery. You know, we got a world full of adultery. There's a spirit of adultery in the world today. Now, it doesn't only stop there. Fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Let's talk about that just for a little bit. I'm really amazed at on the wholesale scale, how that sex is being displayed and broadcast and advertised and talked about. You, you can't read the newspaper columns. Uh, you, you can't thumb through the magazines uh, with, without seeing it. It's just a common thing. You may say, oh, but Brother Grant, you've got to understand that, that this is all very beautiful. Yes, it is in its proper place. It really is in its proper place. Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again or ye cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now the deeds of the new man, that is Christ formed in you, <clears throat> 
Let's look at Galatians 2, verse 20. Well, <clears throat> we'll not cover the deeds just yet, but we'll talk about Christ being formed in you. I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, that is the old man, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I know a lot of people, they resent this idea of, of being motivated by the Lord. They like to feel their individuality and their freedom. But at the same time, man likes to feel innocent. Now, you can't have both. You can't be totally free from God and be innocent. You just can't. There is no way. And if you really want a lifestyle of the Garden of Eden, the closest you can get to it right now is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> That's the closest you can get to it right now. <clears throat> I know every now and then people go off on a tangent and they say, Well, I like to just be free. I don't like for anybody to tell me what to do. And after two or three days of that type of uh, attitude, they find out that, that they're hooked on all kinds of vices and, and problems. And uh, first thing they do, you know, they, they, uh, they develop this spirit of independence and freedom. And next thing you know, they're, they're, uh, they're hooked on alcohol, they're hooked on drugs, they're hooked on uh, unwholesome uh, sexual relationships. Maybe not a physical one, but in their mind, all of these things are. And after a while, they 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 wake up to realize, hey, I am actually bound by so many powers and so many forces. I'm not free. Because I'm motivated and pushed by every power and every force from hell. Isn't that true? And so one sin just leads to the other. After a while, they're lying and stealing and cheating and swearing, and 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 and, and they're just they're so bound up. Jesus said, "He that has been set free by the Son is free indeed." I'm here to tell you. Listen, I've lived on both sides of the track, so to speak, and I can truthfully say, if you want to be free. You need Jesus Christ inside of you. And you'll not be free until He lives inside of you. You'll not be free until He lives inside of you. Galatians 4, verse 20. <clears throat> My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, till Christ be formed in you. So, the renewing of the inner man is having the image of God reconstructed inside of you. That is, the very life of God Himself inside of you, which is Christ in you. Now the works of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now isn't it something that, that 
that from the standpoint of the way the world looks at it, you know, we, we see all these bumper stickers about love, and they put a heart, I love my cat, or I love this, and I love that, and this is the big thing. Everybody wants to love. But you cannot know real love until you know God. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Everybody wants to be happy. Isn't that right? Everybody wants to appear that they're having a good time. You'll not have a good time until you know Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Didn't we go through this movement not long ago? Peace. Everybody's holding up their fingers. Peace. Had the broken crosses and all this. The circle and flowers all over the vans and everything. Peace, peace, peace. You want to have peace? There's only one way. Long-suffering. You want people to suffer long with you? In other words, when you make a mistake, you want somebody to be able to overlook that mistake, pray for you, help you, encourage you. Gentleness. Don't you like to meet a gentleman? Now, these are the days of independence. Now, I grew up in the South, and, and I'm not saying I'm a Southern gentleman, but we were taught I don't know what you were taught in school here. Boys always open the doors for the girls. How many of you men were taught that? Some of you. How many were taught it but you didn't do it? I mean, how many... <clears throat> and I've got to tell you, it still rubs me the wrong way when I see a man go out the door and slam the door right in front of a woman's face. I personally think, you know... If the ladies really want to be honored and they really want to be respected, let us open the door for you. Doesn't that 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 sound like we're really elevating the thing? And all of us, regardless of what we want to say, we like to deal with people who are gentle. Isn't that right? You'll not know gentleness until you know God. Goodness, gentleness, goodness go hand in hand. Faith or faithful. I like to meet people who are faithful. If I set an appointment with someone, I like to be there. I, I have embarrassed people and embarrassed myself. There have been times when I set an appointment, forgot about it, didn't look at my calendar. Very, very slowful. And and the person called me, and and I was way out in left field someplace when I answered the phone, and I couldn't even remember. And they said, uh, you know, we had an appointment today. Oh, dear. And, and I got to apologizing, and, and they got to trying to make me feel good. They understood. It made me feel worse than they felt. And the reason why is because, well... I place a lot of importance on being faithful. I think that that is so necessary. You know, if you work on a job, you're not faithful, what happens? You get fired. That's what Brother Roger did. You get fired. You, know, you just can't go in and tell your boss, well, I, 
I'll tell you the truth. <clears throat> Boy, I got up yesterday morning. I was just, just so tired and feel like coming in. I just went back to bed. <clears throat> He'd probably look at you and say, you can go to bed today too. <laughs> Sweet dreams. <laughs> Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to have to stop, and I have many other scriptures, and I plan on giving you many others, but I'd like to just turn to Mark, the second chapter. If you would turn there with me. I'd like for you to stand, if you would, in conclusion of our Bible study today. Now, Jesus put it this way. He said, No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old and the rent is made worse. Now what is he saying? <clears throat> he is speaking of a principle in which he deals with people. Jesus is really saying this. You know, I'm not really interested in, in just doing a little patching up on you. Because the only kind of patch that I would have is so superior to what you're presently wearing it wouldn't compliment you at all. And you know, some people like this patched up experience. They like to go to church on Sunday and get holy. You know. And, and, and then all their neighbors say, well, why is he acting so holy today? Look what he did last Monday. And he lived like, he lived like an angel on Sunday and lived like the devil on Monday. You see, people see the contrast, and they, they, it, it, that contrast is confusing to them. Jesus said, I'm not interested in doing a patch-up job on you. No, what he's saying is, oh, I want to make you whole. Have you ever read in the scripture where Jesus came to make you whole? That means no patch-up job. That's what he's saying. Don't think you can just discipline yourself in being a Christian. we got stewardship classes going. But we want you to know that those stewardship classes are for you to grow in knowledge and the grace in the Lord. We don't educate you into salvation. I have asked in my lifetime since I've been preaching several ministers, what do you have to do to be saved? What do you have to do to, to get into your church? You'd be surprised at the preachers I've talked to who couldn't even tell you. Some of them said, well, we have a couple of weeks' classes. Take those classes. Then we'll baptize you. It's baptism as well. It, you know, it's, it's mentioned in the Bible. We, feel, we like to place importance on the things that the Lord mentioned. Listen, he did more than mention it. He commanded it. See? Well, see, you just don't educate yourself in the realm of God. You come confessing your sin to the Lord. 
nailing the old man to the cross of Jesus Christ. Then taking the old man who has been crucified or dead to the burial ground or to the tomb, the place of baptism where you're buried with him. And then rising to newness of life, having the Lord living inside of you, walking in you, talking in you, breathing through you. Now Jesus went on and put it another way, verse 22 of Mark 2, And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. See, they thought in the day of Pentecost that they were filled with wine. Now Peter said, These men are not drunk, as ye suppose. They had new wine all right. But it wasn't physical wine. It was the Spirit. Else the new wine doth burst the old bottles. Now bottles here actually means wine skins. That was a known thing. They carried their wine in pouches of skin. It's called a bottle. And when the old bottle or the old skin became tattered and worn, watch what you put in it. Because if you put anything that's powerful in it, it's going to eat a hole right in it. That's what Jesus is saying. So it doesn't make sense, does it? What he's really saying is, you want me to put my Holy Spirit in your old tattered vessel? It doesn't work that way. Well, it'll lead to a broken life. It'll lead to confusion. It doesn't work that way. But new wine must be put into new skins. New vessels. And today there is an opportunity granted to you at this time to come and give your heart to the Lord. Please understand now, you'll never live in the presence of God without this. But secondly, it is by far the superior way to live prior to eternity. For the way of the transgressor is the hard way, the Bible says. You know I believe that. You know why I believe it? Number one, because the Bible says it. Number two, because I tried it. I didn't know if I believed it or not. Evidently, I didn't believe it. But I tried it, and I found out the Bible was speaking a truth when it said the way of the transgressor is the hard way. I tried it. Some of you are trying it, and you're finding that out also. So on either side of our pulpit, there is a place for you to come this morning and surrender your heart to God. Every head bowed right now, if you would, and every eye closed. Would you just pray right now that God's Holy Spirit would visit you and that you would make the right decision? And as you make that right decision, would you step out and just come then and kneel? We have people throughout our auditorium who are concerned about you, who would be willing to come and counsel with you and pray with you. Would you step out right now? Would you come and give your heart to the Lord? Come on right now.
Come on. Some are kneeling in their pews. If you want to do that, feel free to do that. Praise God. I want to live the way He wants me to live. Now you can come on to the front if you'd like. Praise God. But God bless you for coming and being with us. Most people are kneeling and praying in their pews. Feel free to do this. After you have prayed this morning, you may consider yourself dismissed. Remember our service tonight at 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, remember our service. God bless you for coming and being with us.